Good afternoon, everyone. You are now listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. I am Stephen Wilson, and this podcast is meant for people that identify as victims of abuse and addiction. I am a drug user, and I am a adult survivor of childhood sex abuse. The format, if you're new, I am going to read from something that has something to do with the topic of today's episode, something that I enjoy. Either it's something old or something new, something from school or something off the shelf. Uh, I started doing a little bit of a, a bridge mechanism between American society and group therapy, because I am still in group therapy. And all the men in the group, um, you know, they chime in whenever they find something, um, whenever they want to talk about something that that's in the group. And sometimes it becomes an episode, a topic of discussion for this podcast, because it is in a way a form of therapy. Uh, we just had uh, Labor Day. This is my birthday month. And so I decided that I'm going to um, read from the Federalist Papers. This is going to be from Federalist Paper number 10, written by James Madison. Among the numerous advantages promised by a well-constructed union, none deserves to be more accurately developed than its tendency to break and control the violence of faction. The friend of popular governments never finds himself so much alarmed for their character and fate as when he contemplates their propensity to this dangerous vice. He will not fail, therefore, to set a due value on any plan which, without violating the principles to which he is attached, provides a proper cure for it. The instability, injustice, and confusion introduced into the public councils have in truth been the mortal disease under which popular governments everywhere have perished. As they continue to be the favorite and fruitful topics from which to, the adversaries to liberty derive their most specious declamations. The valuable improvements made by the American constitutions on the popular models, both ancient and modern, cannot certainly be too much admired. But it would be an unwarrantable partiality to contend that they have effectually obviated the danger on this side as we have wished and expected. The inference to which we are brought is that the causes of faction cannot be removed, and that relief is only to be sought in the means of controlling its effects. If a faction consists of less than a majority, relief is supplied by the Republican principle, which enables the majority to defeat its sinister views by regular vote. It may clog the administration, it may convulse the society, but it will be unable to execute and mask its violence under the forms of the Constitution. When a majority is included in a faction, the form of popular government, on the other hand, enables it to sacrifice to its ruling passion or interest both the public good and the rights of other citizens. 
to secure the public good and private rights against the danger of such a faction and at the same time to preserve the spirit and the form of popular government is then the great object to which our inquiries are directed. Let me add that it is the great mysterium by which alone this form of government can be rescued from the upperman under which it is so long labored and be recommended to the esteem and adoption of mankind. By faction, I understand a number of citizens, whether amounting to a majority or minority of the whole, are united and actuated by some common impulse of passion or of interest adverse to the rights of other citizens or to the permanent and aggregate interests of the community. Today's reading was taken from the Federalist Papers. It was a collection of papers uh, written prior to the Constitution. Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and James Madison. Today was taken from paper number 10, written by James Madison. Now today's topic is based on the structure called the group. Now as I have mentioned, I am in group therapy and all the men in the group, like myself, they've all been sexually abused as children. And whether or not you recognize it, I have studied psychiatry and psychology, experimental design in my past and the thing is, is that uh, when you're dealing with therapy, when you're, when you're dealing with models, there are all kinds of group therapies. The specific group that I am in would be identified as kind of, a, kind of a bastardization of a support group because the moderator is a social worker. But he too was abused. And so he had been trained in CBT. Uh, CBT is just an acronym for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. CBT is based on the premise that it's a cause to effect relationship about the thoughts in our minds and the actions that are performed. And CBT, uh, it deals with the positive and negative and the consequences and all of that basically trying to find that, uh, that special recipe for each individual for proper response, thoughts to actions. Of course, I'm skipping a great deal, but that's about as far as I want to go into it. You see, in a group, and this is something that we find in group dynamics, basically from day one, in a group, there is always mutualism, and mutualism is bound by natural law to come in the form of trust. It is completely irrational for you to be in a group with people that you don't trust. Now, my time in school, from undergrad all the way to doctoral, I've always found it to be beneficial to study as much as possible. But it is in the real world that you see these things applied. And you see them in corporate, you see them in sales, as I did. 
and you see them in construction when I was a child and a teenager, and you see them in the family and in the church and the company and in the body politic and, and dealing with the group. The reason that I've always found paper number 10 to be, I don't know, likable, is that in a way I thought that maybe perhaps because of my own ego that James Madison was writing it for me, as he should. But when he makes that statement, the human condition, the inclination, the causation for the human to be going into a faction is innate. That's a hell of a thing. Because here we have somebody that is trained uh, in law, but he's talking about politic. He's, he's talking about what it is a democracy, what is a republic, what's happening in individual sovereignty, the British are here, what's happening in the colonies. But here in this paper, he basically insults everybody. He tells them, look, you get in a group, you can't help it. You're going to be birds of a feather going to flock together. It's cliche because it's true. No matter what country you're in, no matter what language you translate it into, it's all the same. It's the same thing. We all do the same thing. You get into a group, you're going to be with people that have the same motivation and interest, wants and desires as you do. But the thing is, is that he's arguing for a republic, not a democracy. And the difference here is that there's a middleman. And so if at once we have a lawyer to law, a priest to religion, we have a politician to governance. Now this middleman theoretically is a public servant. And so here, James Madison is actually admitting that Every politician, every person that goes to a podium, every person that goes to Secretary of State, there's something wrong with them because when they get into power, whatever they said during the campaign is not going to come to fruition when they're in power. And I've always found it interesting that he would make that declaration because he hasn't got to the meat of the paper yet. He was just kind of laying the groundwork. What is a republic? What is democracy? What is a faction? faction is a group, uh, it's a political party, but the, uh, the idea, the concept of the middleman, the priest, uh, the Bible needs interpretation. You go into a courtroom in America, you could be your own lawyer, but you don't understand the law. And you go through the language games of uh, a trial by judge or trial by jury. Well, that, that jury box theoretically is supposed to represent you, but is that actually real? Are you going to make an argument that you're going to be in a, in a courtroom with people that are just like you or close to you? Mm, not really. I mean, it, it is a folly, but it makes people feel good. And so here, when you're talking about that middleman and talking about my group, that's not really my group, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Our group. We have a social worker, a man, uh, 
to start off, he told his story. And he's there, educated, he's accomplished in his field. He made it quite clear why he went in to psychology, why he went in to the MSW program, why he would get his certificate, his license. And this is what he does. But in that group, what was done to us as children doesn't need translation. We don't need some sort of tutorial from him. Even on his best day, he is nothing but a moderator. And the group itself takes on its own identity. I've been in there for quite a while, a couple of years, I guess. And when you start talking about the group, you can identify individuals in the group. Yes, you, it, it is true that people can disappear into the mechanism. They can disappear into the group. Everybody's got a name, but they kind of just move together. And so when you have a family, when you have a government, when you have a state, when you have a county, that cliche, birds of a feather flock together, it, it's right there. And I think that if every one of you were completely honest, you would be able to tell me a story that you worked at a company or you, you were in a family where people pick and choose sides based on their own wants and desires. Maybe, maybe you yourself, you're, you're the black sheep. You're in a family, you're in a company, they break you on uh, down into a, an R&D, uh, they break it down to a sales region, and you're stuck with people that you would never actually, uh, you, you, well, you would actually never want to be around them if it wasn't for the construct of, this is my job and I have to deal with them. And there, you have to trust. Even if, the, even if you've come to the conclusion that this person is black sheep, maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else, maybe in that group, you've got your devil's advocate, you've got your egomaniac, those that acquiesce. You have them, you know them, maybe, that, maybe that's you, maybe that's the role you've chosen. But everything in that group is about trust. Now it is true that in my own, uh, my own group therapy, I do this podcast and they know it. I'm an artist, so I went through art therapy and they know it. But in that group, everybody knows that what is actually said there will never be repeated. And that's where the support comes in. If, you, if you're having a bad day, you want to do some coke or uh, you want to smoke a J or um, you know, somebody in your family said something or, or somebody on the bus or uh, somebody on the train, somebody in your carpool, somebody online, having a really tough day, everybody in the group understands. Because that trust is arrived and that acceptance and the requirement of mutualism. Everybody in that group understands what it is to be violated, molested.
raped, whatever, whatever name you want to use, whatever, whatever descriptor. And it is in that mutualism that you find yourself in a place where you can get things done for yourself and maybe, just maybe, you can do something for somebody else in that group. Because it is true that I have had people in that group they just wanted a hug. They wanted to go bowling. Um, they wanted to get a beer. They wanted to cry. They wanted to talk. And the things that took place between us cannot be shared to anybody else because they wouldn't understand. And so when we start talking about the differential, any of the bridge mechanisms that we would use from individual therapy to group therapy, the rapport that you have with your therapist, and I have, I have, uh, I've been in institutions, I've dealt with psychiatrists, I've dealt with people, um, you know, well, a psychiatrist, they're nothing really but a drug dealer, trying to find that one little special concoction that makes everything all better. But the social worker, the MSW, the doctorate in psychology, they've been trained. But what have they been trained in? You see, when James Madison was trying to make an argument, and that's what it is, that's what the Federal Papers, the Federalist Papers, I know I didn't really go into this and I, I, don't, I don't want to be your teacher, but again, within brevity, the Federalist Papers are just an argument for the Constitutional Union, the Constitutional Republic, that's what it's for. Most of the letters were addressed to the people of New York, and at the time, the author was not known. But there was a utility to that. See, you need training. The man that is in charge of the group, he really isn't in charge, he's just a moderator. And that's accepted. And the fact is, is that we do have a procedure to remove him. And he knows it, and he accepts it. And even though there are, there's only really been two occasions where there was an issue with people that had come into the group, there have not been any issues with him, but there is a procedure to get rid of him and find a replacement. And he accepts that responsibility. And so in that group think, in that mutualism, you have to balance. You have to find balance in the scale of life. Where do I end and where does the group begin? Where does the group end and where do I begin? That's not so easy. And so the structuralism that you have in your group, do you want to participate? Do you want to even show up? People are expecting you to show up. New people are going to show up. They're going to do things online. We're not really supposed to um, mingle outside the group, but it happens. All kinds of rules written down or implied. 
but the roles that we have as an individual in that group can be found when you look, if you gestalt your point of view, you step all the way back and you look at all of us, that group, have, it does have rules of engagement and they have to be followed. Like I said, there've been, a, there've been two instances where things had to be dealt with, with people in the group. And so if you find that you're getting lost, the thing is, is that in any given group, even though you have rules, even though you have what appears to be a filter, any group can become dysfunctional. And I, I have to tell you, I, I, when I think about those two times, I always go back. For some reason, I just forego. I just go right past everything that I had been taught. Even the class that I taught in group dynamics, I go right past all the academia and I go right to that Federalist Paper number 10. Because that dysfunction that you find, it, it, can't, be, it can't really be helped. You see, all those rules, all, that, all, that, uh, all those paper cuts, all those things that are in that little handbook, everything that's online that you read, you have to consent, and then there's that warning. You know, you, you need to, the, every group meeting begins with the warning. What you're about to hear could be a trigger to your own psychosis, to your own trauma. So if you're not in a place where you have a good handle on it, you may not want to be here. And so when you make that progression from individual therapy going into group therapy, it is true that some people that are in, they come from individual therapy, they just can't function in a group setting. You have to mature in your own trauma. You have to get to a place where you can own it. And in those times that you admit that you're just not having a very good day and you feel weak, you feel alone, that group can be a salvation, but it can also fester. You look around that circle and you look at all those men and you realize that they're in a much better place than you are because you're about to crumble. You're about to fall apart. And you start dealing with some of the realities that no one person can be the entire group. The therapist, the moderator, they're not really a judge. But it is going to be an autopsy on the living. And in some cases, they're going to try to bring you back to life. Because for me, it was extremely difficult, um, that group session, when I told people that I had tried to take my own life two times before, and I actually had a plan for the third time before I had been institutionalized. It was very difficult. But again, there is that trust, that mutualism. What I say here does not leave here. And I need to say it, and I need to hear people react to it. I don't know why, I just do. I am tired of being afraid, tired of being alone. 
You can choose to fight this on your own or you can choose to fight it as a group. There'll be no judgment here. There's no gavel. No one's ever going to tell you that you're not a very good victim. You're not going to hear it. So when you go into the group, there is a certain freedom. As I enter, I can always exit. Same thing with James Madison, thinking about a republic. But you're born into it. I was born in America. I am well-traveled. But I always seem to come back. And in that group dynamic, you have that rogue mind. It is true that birds of a feather flock together, but every once in a while, you just want to kind of soar off into the horizon on your own. You just want to linger like a ghost over the tree line, over the cityscape. You're above it all, and you can see the water crashing into the beach. You can see joggers going back and forth in the lane. You can see a woman changing a diaper. You can see an old man sitting on a bench feeding birds. It is true that you decided to fly alone this one time, but you're not really alone unless you allow yourself to be. And that loneliness can be dealt with in that mutualism because of the time that you're in that group, you give yourself to them. And if they want to, they can give themselves to you. And you have no right to betray that. Because that kind of trust, that's more valuable than gold. And you need to acknowledge it and be grateful. That's how I see it. Um, well, that's all I have for now. Um, I want to thank for those of you that have stuck around and um, listened to it all the way. I guess I, I've noticed that uh, I'm not really saying I thank you, but I am. I'm grateful for your time. I know it's not very long, but listening to a podcast, that's a big deal. I have no idea what you expect from it, but whenever I do an episode, that's the best I can offer. I know it may not seem like it, but I'm doing the best I can. And maybe it's just me talking into a microphone. But that's enough, and that's good enough. So thank you for listening. I hope you can be a blessing, and may you find serenity. You have been listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore, with Stephen Wilson. Have a great evening. <laughs>